This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being greatly faithful to us. And Lord, we count on your faithfulness now as you have always been to speak to our hearts from your word that when we leave this place, we would know we met with Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Haggai chapter one. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua of Josedek the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? and this house lay waste. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, bring in little. You eat, you have not enough. You drink, you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build the house, and I'll take pleasure in it, and I'll be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house it is laid waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you has stayed from dew, the earth has stayed from her fruit. I called for a drought upon the land, upon the mountains, upon the corn, upon the new wine, upon the oil, upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of thy hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, then Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messengers, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They came, did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth year of the sixth month and the second year of Darius the king. The book of Haggai is really a companion book that has to be read 
hand in hand, side by side with the books of Ezra and Nehemiah because Haggai was during this time. These books of Ezra and Nehemiah tell us about the history of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem after the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, had destroyed it. The Lord did an unbelievable thing, never imagined beyond any thought or understanding or expectation. God put it into the heart of the oppressing ruler, Cyrus, the king of the Persians, to let Israel, not just let them, but send them back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. And so this rebuilding progressed, and it was hard work. And if you read the books of Ezra and you read the book of Nehemiah, you really do get the sense of what they were up against. Lots of enemies that finally wrote a letter of lies to the king and claiming that the Jews were trying to mount a rebellion against the king. And that letter was successful and they were able to stop the Jews right in their tracks from building the temple. Their enemies won. And when the Jewish people stopped building that temple, their enemies stopped bothering them. Amazing. And the Jewish people then said, well, what are we gonna do with our time? So they went to build their own houses instead. After all, they didn't have any, they didn't build any houses when they first got back to Jerusalem. They got right into building a temple. And a horrible thing happened that's addressed in this book. And that is a secret thought, delight, intention inside the Jewish people was born. They were happy. They were happy to not have to work on the temple, and they were happy to go and work on their own houses and on their own vineyards. And the Jewish people like to say, well, the time to rebuild the temple is not now. They had had opposition. Obviously, the Lord doesn't want them. And this is the whole section here in verse two where he says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. This people say the time is not, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Not the Lord said, but this people say. And with this information, we can see what's happening now in this first chapter of Haggai. This is a chapter that is all about the people who did not have a whole heart to spend all of their strength, all of their resources, building God's temple. It's about the Jewish people not wanting that to be their life work about building the God's temple. And this is what God is addressing in this chapter. It's like a person today who starts off, he's on fire for God. He's been saved. He can't believe it. He's come out of darkness into light. And just as the Jewish people were on fire for God and they went back to Babylon, back from Babylon to Jerusalem to build the temple for God, they had been given a written authorization from King Cyrus when they left Babylon, returned to Jerusalem, build the temple. They had been given materials, riches, anything they needed, they were given to beautify the temple. They were given a command, go build the temple, the king said, and when you do it, pray for me and pray for my family. They were given an indication that King Cyrus respected the God of Israel. How wonderful was that? for the people of God. How unbelievable was that for the people of God? How Ephesians 3.20, above all that they could ever ask or think was that for the people of God? 
God's people for 70 long years had been in the darkness of a life of slavery, horrible to the Babylonians. It was a terrible existence. They were overworked. They were mocked. They were made fun of. And Psalm 137 tells us that. Psalm 137 gives us just a little glimpse of what life was like during those 70 years when it says that by the rivers of Babylon, the Jewish people said, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. That's what life was like for them, made fun of. You trust in your God, you're a slave. Go ahead and sing us one of your songs. Tell us, sing us about great is thy faithfulness as you are forced to do the work we want you to do. And now after 70 long years of that life of darkness, of oppression, They've come into a life of light and freedom, a release, and it felt so wonderful, just like people today who live their lives in the darkness and the oppression of being what the Bible calls without hope and without God in the world. And it's just wonderful when they come to Jesus Christ and when they do come into that light and the freedom of now having hope, like we just sang about, hope for tomorrow, strength for today and hope for tomorrow, the freedom of now having this hope, of now having this strength, of God having God in the world so wonderful. And with that light and that freedom, the Jewish people have been called to go work on building God's temple, just like a newly saved person has been called to follow Christ. And he's all in, he's all in. And be his servant, be Christ's servant in the world. And now the newly saved person goes to church, he's given responsibilities, serving God, and the Jewish people worked hard on first building the wall around where the temple was gonna go in Jerusalem. It was hard work, it was hard work. Just like a newly saved person, he's gotta work hard now, he's gotta read his Bible, he's going to church, he's serving God. But then the opposition came to the Jewish people from the enemies of God, they harassed them, they threatened them, and they're building the wall. The Jewish people had to stand there on alert. On one hand, they held their tool for building the wall, and on the other hand, they had their shield, their sword, ready for attacks. It was so bad that it says they didn't even take their clothes off except for washing because they had to be on their ready alert. Just like a newly saved person, he begins to feel the pressure from the world around him, the pressure from lost family members, the pressure from lost friends, and it just begins to wear and to wear and to wear on him, wear him down. And then the enemies of the Jewish people wrote a letter to the king, as he said, they claimed the Jewish people were planning a rebellion, big obstacle, and it caused them to have to stop working on the wall. Just like an obstacle that comes to a new believer that knocks them down. And since the Jewish people couldn't work on the wall, they said, well, we got all this time on our hands. Said, I know, let's go build our houses, yeah and our vineyards, yeah, and our livestock, yeah, and our businesses, and they did that. Just like when a saved person, he thinks the, like, the honeymoon with God is over, now it's time to build a career and work and a business, get that house, get that wealth. And the word came back from the king that they could resume, that they should resume the work on the temple, and the Jewish people said in their hearts, I just prefer to build my house. 
instead of God's house. I want to take care of my business instead of God's business. I want to build my wealth rather than the wealth in the temple. I got what I needed when I got released from Babylon, and now I'm back where I want to be. And all that God stuff, that was just too hard. I don't have any opposition right now. All that serving God stuff was just too hard a life for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, they said. I'm not leaving God. Just don't want to spend my life serving God. Just like when a same person decides to return to his old life and he says, I just prefer to live for myself instead of for God. I want to take care of my business instead of God's business. I want to build my wealth instead of what God wants me to do. I got what I needed. I'm released from the slavery of sin. I have no more misery of no hope, no God in the world. Now I'm back where I want to be. All this serving Jesus stuff, it's just too hard a life for me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not leaving God. Just don't want to spend my life serving God. When the call came back from the king for the Jewish people to go back to building a temple, the people did not go back to work. It seemed as though, really, the Jewish people were happy that they were stopped from building this temple. And this is what the book of Haggai is all about. It's all about what God had to say about the Jewish people not wanting to go back to build the temple, just like in the book of Revelation. God has something to say to the person who's left God as his passion, as his first passion, Revelation 2.4, Revelation 2.4, when Christ said, thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. And this is what God is saying to the Jewish people who don't want to go back to work, to building God's temple, but want to remain building their own houses instead. God's message to them. God is saying to the Jewish people, I'm no longer your first love. You are your first love. You love yourself more than you love God, let's be honest. You left me as your first love. Go back, do what you were doing when I was your first love. And what the Jewish people said about returning to build the temple is the same thing that people say today about returning to Jesus Christ with all the passion and the love that they had when they were first saved. No, that's not a no, it's just later. Later. We'll build the temple. We'll get around to it later. Not yet. But soon that not yet never came. And soon never comes. All started out as not yet. It never comes. And in verse 2, God speaks. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord to Haggai, saying, Is it time for you? Is it time for you, O you that dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lay waste? God gets right directly in front of their face, right, and he asks them a question. It's not my time, but is it your time? What a searching question that is. It hits us square in the heart where God says, Okay, you put me on hold while you live your life for yourself. Is this the time in your life when you live for yourself and not for me? Let's be honest. Now, they didn't say they wouldn't build God's house. What they said was just later, and it's such a dangerous word. When Paul spoke to a Roman ruler, Felix by name, 
And Felix responded back to Paul. He didn't say he wouldn't come to Christ. He said, not now. He said later, Acts 24, 24. Acts 24, 24. After certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And we never read that he called for him. Felix listened to Paul as Paul talked about what real righteousness is, how far Felix was from true righteousness. Felix listened to Paul as Paul spoke about judgment for sin and his great need for Christ. And all that talk really got Felix to the point where he was trembling. It got him to the point of the decision. The decision was on the table. Okay, Felix, what's it gonna be? Are you gonna put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ or not? And Felix never said that he was not going to put his faith in Christ. Felix just said, not now, Paul. Not at this time, Paul. Later, Paul, when I'm ready, I'll call for you. And how many lost people tragically say that they're just not ready right now to come to Jesus Christ? How many people say, there's gonna be a better time in the future, just not now, but that time never comes. And death overtakes them. And you know the first words that come out of their mouth when death approaches? Now? So soon? Well, I planned on putting my faith in Jesus Christ before I died. And that was what was so great about the Billy Graham Crusades, because it was how Billy Graham brought his crusades to this high point when Billy Graham said, now is the time. Now is your time to step out of your seat and make your commitment for Christ by coming down that aisle. They'll wait for you, the people who brought you. Come down here before the platform and make your commitment to receive Christ. And how many people tragically say, they're just not ready right now to give themselves totally to Jesus Christ and enter a life of serving Christ. It's, it's not a no, it's just right, not right now. How many people say that there, there's gonna be a better time in the future when I'm willing to become 100% sold out for Jesus Christ, but the time never comes and death finally overtakes. And the tragic response to God's call is not a no. It's verse two. The time has not come. No. No. They don't say no. Just not right now. And so when we look at what happened to God's people when they stopped the work because of opposition and they didn't resume it, we can see that there's a tendency in us to interpret an opposition to going forward with God as God's will for us not to go forward. And God asked Israel, look at your own houses. Look at how you made your houses so nice. Now look at my house. It's in ruins. And so God asked Israel in verse five, verse five, now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He's, what he's saying there is think about what you're doing when you put yourself above me, when you put your own families as a higher priority than God. Twice God says, consider your ways. 
in verses five and seven. And this is where God is saying to Israel, stop, look at yourself, ask yourself the question, be genuine, be honest, be authentic. When no one else is looking at you, just ask yourself the question, on a scale of zero to 10, what number would you say that your life is living just for yourself? On a scale of zero to 10, what number would you say that your life is living for God? And when God says in verse five and seven, consider your ways, he's saying, this is just between you and I, no one else. Be honest, are you living your life for yourself or for me? And now God asked them to look at what they had to show for all their work in verse six. Verse six, you've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, you have not enough. You drink, you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. So here's a situation that Israel was faced with. And the situation, essentially, all of that description really boils down to what he said first. You sown much and you bring in little. Basically, that first statement, you've sown much and you bring in little, is a description of their lives. Much work, little return. Haggai 1.6, you've sown much, you bring in little. And they say, it's a harvest problem, that's all. The weather was bad this year. Not enough rain when there should have been, too much rain when there shouldn't have been. I didn't have a good harvest. Verse six, verse six, you eat and you have not enough. It's a food problem. The meals are just not satisfied. Not enough fat in the food to make me feel satisfied, whatever. Verse six, verse six, you drink, you're not filled with drink. They say, drink problem, too sweet, too salty, too bitter. I just continue to feel thirsty. Verse six, verse six, you clothe you, there is none warm. The clothes problem, my clothes are not made with wool. I feel cold, my clothes get, they're not waterproof. I get wet, I feel clothes. It's the type of clothes that I had this year. Verse six, he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. It's a financial problem. I work really hard, I make a lot of money, but there's all these unexpected costs. Things break, shoes wear out. Why can't I be like the children of Israel for 40 years, they had nothing wore out. The shoes, I gotta replace, I gotta repair. And in the year, I got nothing to show for all the work I did this year. And Christ said, Christ said, there's two treasures to gain, two treasures. There's a treasure on earth or wealth on earth, and there's a treasure in heaven or wealth in heaven. Just as the treasure on earth is gotten by hard work, by working for self, so the treasure in heaven is gotten by hard work by working for God. And this was the question that our summer blitzers were being asked last week as to why they were working so hard. Read about it in the report today. Why are you working so hard on the streets of Cleveland in this their eighth week of their 12-week campaign? And that's hard work. Think about the hard work that Sky and Sarah were doing in, in Cleveland, bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. Sky and Sarah, Cleveland said, Sarah and I went door to door with no response for the whole first street, and we honestly thought 
the rest of the day would be the same. We took a break, and when we came back, the first door we knocked answered. While they didn't want the book, we kept going, and we happened to see an old book thrown in the street. It was discouraging at first, but as we kept going, an Orthodox Jewish lady came yelling at us across the street. Sarah and I thought she was coming to tell us to leave, but the opposite happened. She said she wanted to know what our motivation was. And we just explained that we wanted to share our beliefs and that we are commanded by God to spread his word. We were not expecting her, being an Orthodox woman, to tell us that she applauds our work and wishing us luck. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.